And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin the aftermath of the Raiders' loss on Sunday to the Cincinnati Bengals at home. 32 to 13 and the Raiders dropped to 500 on the year we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment they own the Strat where they've totally redone it it looks amazing I was there with my wife popped in over the weekend if you haven't been there go see the Strat see what they have inside from the PTs to get to the top look out at the beautiful city of Las Vegas and then hang out and have a good time PT 64 locations in the valley they fuel the monologue Five to seven, midnight to two, the best happy hour in town. Great place to sit back and maybe have a holiday party or meet your friends as you head into Thanksgiving in a great holiday season here. Hey, I want to begin by wishing my partner, Eric Allen, the great former cornerback, a happy birthday today. Eric Allen's birthday is today. We worked all day yesterday. I think he's flying out today on his birthday back to his home in San Diego. And, you know, I think the world of him, and you do too. He's a great analyst. He should be a Hall of Famer. He loves the Raiders, loves his job, his family. He's a great dad, and uh, really I'm blessed to call him a friend. And he'll be right back on Thanksgiving as we anchor the pre- and post-game from the M Resort Spa Casino. We'll be right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill, yes, on Thanksgiving, where the Raiders play a game that is beyond – it's no more must-wins. That was a must-win yesterday. Now you could describe these games however the hell you want the rest of the way. Whatever you want to do, you describe them. I'm I'm done describing these games. With 5-2, I treated every game at 5-2 like it was dead serious in a must-win game. And now at 5-5, the Raiders are very fortunate to be a 500 team. They look nothing like a 500 team at all. So they are fortunate to be 5-5. You know that category that says in the hunt, where they put them in the hunt on all these shows like Sunday Night Football? You know, they're, they're, they're fortunate to be in the hunt the way they're playing. They're playing like a bottom team tier in this league. a matter of fact, the bottom team tiers are playing better than them. That would be the Houston Texans who beat the Titans. Houston Texans beat the Titans. Can you believe that? That was incredible to me. I couldn't believe that in the Colts who are a good team, kind of right in a bunch with the Raiders. They destroyed Buffalo in Buffalo. And as I told you, the Niners are making their run and the Vikings are making their run. This is a time of year where in football you're either in the playoffs, you know you're in, and then those teams that are in, only a few are Super Bowl contenders, where you really think you have a shot, and then everybody else is everybody else. You're either out of the playoffs, you're in the hunt, or you're a team that probably is going to get in the playoffs if you get a break. And that's where the Raiders have been for about a month now. For about a month, the Raiders have controlled their destiny. And their destiny has fallen apart right in front of all of us because they can't score and they can't win games. And that is very unfortunate. A lot of you saw it coming, quite frankly. I didn't, nor would I admit that on the flagship station of the team where I worked for the team that a collapse is coming. I don't call this a collapse. I just call this bad football with a lot of football left. But now they need a football miracle, a football miracle. And if you watch NFL films over the decades, they do a lot of shows on football miracles. And the Raiders have been involved in a lot of those type of games over the decades. But it's been a long run since the Raiders were a playoff contender 
where the Raiders put fear into other teams and the Raiders were able to take over games whenever they wanted. This team needs breaks. They have to get healthier. They have to figure out what they want to do the rest of the season with their game plan on both offense and defense. And unfortunately, here in Vegas, where Vegas is big, Vegas is bold, Vegas is entertainment, the team's not very entertaining anymore. And that's really unfortunate because the early part of the season, a lot of people picked up on the fact that the Raiders were a really entertaining team. Overtime wins against Miami and Baltimore. Road win at Pittsburgh. You know, some games where you looked at the Raiders and said, man, I don't know if they're going to win, but they are damn entertaining. They, they can blow the top off of a game. They can do some things, and the defense has improved. But, you know, for the last month, the month of November, has been an absolute disaster. Now, unfortunately, part of the national media narrative is the obvious that the Raiders are going through adversity like no other team has ever gone through in the history of this league. And again, no one's making an excuse for this, but it's my job to put that in perspective. The team is going through some of the most adverse times in the history of the sport, not the Raiders. This is clearly the worst season for distractions in Raider history, period. And the Raiders are a family, and they've had death in the family, and they've had moves, and they've had lawsuits over the years. But nothing remotely comes close to this. From the John Gruden emails, the resignation when the team was really good, to the Henry Ruggs car accident, the tragedy, the death of Tina Tintor, and what happened there. Those two events alone in the halfway point of the season, that has never happened in NFL history. So put that in perspective there. And who, who would have believed that it would happen to the Raiders? I don't want to say they're, they're issues. They're issues that are tragedies, very bizarre, and it's happened to your team. It didn't happen to other teams. It happened to your teams. And a lot of people can do deep dives on what had happened. I don't believe that it happened because it was Vegas. Give me a break. It could have happened anywhere. Anywhere with what happened with rugs. It happened to happen here. And what happened with the emails looks like, looks like a hit job. It's an absolute hit job. John Gruden is suing the league, and a lot more is going to come out of this. A ton more is going to come out of this. I think we all know that. That will shed some light on what has happened and how that move alone affected this season. So you can look at it two ways. You can say, woe's me. Look at all of this. How did it happen to my team? And look at the way my team is not responding to this. Or you can say, hey, man, you got your professionals go win games. You know, there's, not a lot, there's not a lot of options here, right? We don't have a lot of options. At the end of the year, this is a Netflix documentary. We are all living in a Netflix documentary where if you see a 30 for 30 on ESPN about the 86 Mets or if you see a documentary on the malice at the palace with Ron Artest and the Pistons fight, or you see something on Netflix and you click on and you go, whoa, 2021 Raiders, what's that? I think I'll sit down for that for an hour. What do you think that documentary looks like? How many downloads is that going to get? And we're living in it. I'm living in it. I'm living in it like you. Out at the Black Hole tailgate, walking around the stadium, looking up Sammy Hagar's performing. Raiders score quickly on a drive. Maybe they're back in the game. And then I host a post-game show. And, man, I had my body armor on last night. Woo! Oh, that was one for the ages. As a lot of fans came in. So I woke up this morning, same routine, walked a dog, picked up the newspaper that gets dropped on my driveway every day. Las Vegas Review-Journal hometown newspaper 
Here they go again. Cover giant photo of Derek Carr. Another Raiders collapse. Gains momentum with a 32-13 loss to Bengals. And there's a lot of stories here about the game. Most of them are negative. Good journalists writing these stories about penalties, everything that's happening to the Raiders, deja vu all over again for the fast-fading Raiders by Ed Graney, clearly the best sports journalist in this town over the decades. Vinny Bonsignor chiming in, inexplicable, inexcusable, Raiders lose their third straight. So with all of this, all of this happening right now, we are sitting here saying, what do the Raiders need to do to get up off the mat? Saturday night, I went to the fight. I went to Crawford versus Porter. I sat ringside, had incredible view of this fight. Sean Porter went to the mat in the 10th round twice. His dad threw in the towel. Basically, his dad just waved the fight off. His dad is his trainer who's there in the corner. No one can do that here. Mark Davis, who was at the fight and loves boxing, can't wave this season off, nor would he ever. He can't do that, nor can Rich Passaccia, and say, hey, uh, we're throwing in the towel over here in the corner. No, they have to win games now. And they have to start with the Dallas Cowboys on a short week. I can't believe how poorly Dallas has played, too, in their last three weeks. Really similar to what's going on with the Raiders. They've played terribly, but they had a home game mixed in where they just slaughtered Atlanta. But they're booking games, and they have COVID issue with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb getting a concussion. Their defense from time to time gives up big plays. So we'll have probably Tuesday, Wednesday to preview the Dallas Cowboys. And if the Raiders win that game, that'd be a miracle. It really would. It'd be a football miracle if they could win that game because that would be the ultimate sign. Ultimate sign of this team getting off the mat and winning a game. Thanksgiving, nationally televised, the whole world watching, the entire broadcast, the broadcasters are going to talk about, woe is me, look at the Raiders, look what happened, look what happened in the month of November. It's going to be like a bad movie when the game starts. And only the Raiders can come out out of the ashes and go win that game. And I don't think a lot of people believe they can win the game. I do, the coaches do, the players do. There are some fans that think they can win the game. Maybe some gamblers We'll put their neck out on the line. I don't know, but we'll talk about that midway through the week. So before I get to the sound bites here, there's a few things I want to I want to share here as we open up the show today. First off, now this is the moment for Derek Carr for the rest of his career with the Raiders. And Derek's been put in a really, really tough spot. Even Derek's detractors are aware of that. We're going to sit here, and I took calls last night, and people are going to talk about Derek's poor play, and he deserves that. He's playing poorly. He's not playing at a high level. He deserves the criticism nationally and from the local fans, and he's going to get it. But he's been put in a really, really tough spot that no quarterback in the history of this franchise has ever been put in. Remarkably, not even close. Not even close. And some of the greatest quarterbacks to play in the league – from LaMonica, Flores, Blanda, Stabler, Gannon, have all been there. Uh, They've been through some tough times. Adam Hill wrote in the Review Journal today, if you look at the milestones of Carr and what Carr's been able to do in his career, he needs 63 more yards to surpass 30,000 for his career. No other Raiders quarterback has thrown for 20,000 yards. Let that sit in. 
Carr has slaughtered the records in Oakland and now Las Vegas when it comes to individual accomplishments here. I'm talking about 30,000 yards. He's going to play another 10 years. And that'll get you to 60,000 yards if you're able to keep your job and play in the league this long. So what Derek's done individually is he's put up a lot of individual numbers that are important. That's important to a legacy of a quarterback. Phillip Rivers never won a Super Bowl. He put up massive numbers. You know, there are guys that Joe Flacco did win a Super Bowl and put up numbers, and that's his legacy. So Derek's legacy now is really on the line with the Raider organization. And only he can decide what direction it's going to go in. He could have, you know, he doesn't have a great team, but he's got a better team. And Derek's got to figure out if he can put this team on his back. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. And figure out what's going to happen here over the next couple of weeks. But any knowledgeable Raider fan, and you're all very knowledgeable, smart fans, really passionate, you all know that usually Derek is not the weak link on this team. But now... Derek is a big part of these losses because he's getting outplayed by younger quarterbacks. He's not running at all. There is no, there's no mobility in this game at all. Done. Don't tell me there is. I'm not talking about running away from trouble and throwing it out of bounds or running away from trouble and checking down. There's absolutely no mobility in his game to do anything to concern a defense or a defensive coordinator that week. And I think that has something to do with the problems that the Raiders are having on offense. Is not only do they not have to put a spy on Derek Carr, they don't even consider him running. So that's out of the game. So for Derek, I don't know why he's not running more. I don't know why he's not trying to quickly decide if he can run for six, seven, eight yards and keep a drive alive. He's just not doing it. He's checking down a lot. When he plays free and the offense opens up, he looks like Derek Carr. And the most important thing, which I hate to do, I hate to do, and I put a lot of thought into it. I was prepping the show today. I have never seen the body language on Derek Carr that I'm seeing now. Never. And I'll clarify that by saying I understand why it's there. Henry Ruggs was a big part of his life and game plan. And we know what Henry Ruggs did. John Gruden was his coach. In his ear, in film room, good personal relationship, he's gone. So as I throw out this disclaimer, I I don't know of a quarterback in Raider history or NFL history that had to deal with what Derek's dealing with. And we're only a little bit halfway through the season. So you can tell that has a lot to do with his emotions and what's happening. But when Derek Carr is sitting on the bench in the third quarter in a game that's only 10 points and the camera's on him and he's sitting down there with the hat on staring into space, and he's not up warming up, and he's not running up and down the bench like Tom Brady, patting people on the shoulder pads, trying to get them going, sitting there and looking at teammates and getting on a knee in front of the offensive line saying, we got this, here's what we need to do, and he's just sitting over there in the abyss, and every fan's telling me that, I don't know what to do. I can't make it up. So something's off with Derek that we don't know about. People called in yesterday and said, is he injured or not? That, that is not my business. I am not the team trainer. I'm not the team doctor. I don't know if he's hiding an injury. I have no idea. Nor are they going to tell me if he does. But I can tell you that Derek, who is an upbeat guy, faith-based, faith-based, upbeat guy, 90% of the time, now on game days in Las Vegas, he runs out. He runs out like Russell Crowe in Gladiator. 
going crazy, getting the fans going. And then in the third quarter, he's sitting with a baseball cap on with no one next to him staring into space. This is a guy who had the ability early in the season to play at an MVP level. MVP. Very valuable. No doubt about it. But I don't know what to tell you now. I I don't know what's going on now. I don't have the answers. Neither do the journalists who cover the team and the people like me who work for the team and we're in the building. He doesn't talk to us. He doesn't talk to us. Doesn't come on this show anymore. I don't know why I hosted a show when he was 11 and 4. And it was a great show. He was unbelievable. He was having an MVP year. I don't know. I don't know what his agent's telling him. I don't know what he's doing. But I have his back. I have his back, but I have to do my job. Something's wrong with Derek Carr. We all know that. And there are not built-in excuses. Not built-in. Derek's not an excuse guy. Derek is not an excuse guy. We all know what's surrounding Derek at this point in time going forward. And we'd all like to help him get through it. I would. And I don't play any role in his life. I play a tiny, tiny role with a radio show and a TV show and a podcast. But we're all pulling for Derek Carr. We all want Derek Carr to win. We know Derek Carr is going through tragedy and what's happening with the football team. But that's all I can give you. Because, again, he doesn't talk to anybody. He does the press conferences, which he has to do. And then he goes and plays these games, and we have to analyze the performance and talk about it after the game. Pretty simple. So, again, as I wrap up the monologue, I am 100% behind Derek Carr. I think he is the franchise quarterback here. He's going through a personally difficult time as a player with what's happening on the field. Uh, Part of the team is letting him down. But, you know, all teammates who aren't playing well let, let each other down. I would love to see nothing more than for Derek Carr to come out on national TV on Thursday, Thanksgiving, and dominate the football game and outplay Dak Prescott and win a game and go on a miracle run. So... When the end of the Netflix documentary ends on the Raiders 2021, that is a, it's in the drama category. It's not in the horror film category, but it's in the drama category. I'd like to see the end of the Netflix documentary having Derek Carr playing in a playoff game, winning a playoff game. I'd like to see that, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. 702-365-9200. As we open up the show. And we'll get you on here. And again, the rules with me have been simple for 23 years with the team. Show respect. Show respect. Do not come in here and be disrespectful to any player or coach. You can be pissed off and angry. You can be really upset. Just show respect with your energy of your phone call. That's always been the rule with me. And then we'll have it. I cleared out the guest. Harry Ruiz will join us. The Latino voice of the Raiders. I like having him on Mondays. He's really good. He calls the game, so he'll give us some perspective. And then America's favorite sports gambler. Uh, next hour at some point, Bill Krakenberger will join us, and we'll talk about some of the lines going into Thanksgiving and how tough, how tough it is to go out and gamble on football as we open up the show. John in Vegas, start us off here on the flagship. Hello, John. JT, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you. Hey, I can't uh, agree more with what you've been saying on your opening monologue. You know, Raider Nation, we're hard. We're not soft. You know, we we know about losing seasons. We know about uh, uh, winless seasons. 
and Derek Carr is part of Raider Nation. I've seen a I've seen a photo of Derek with Senor when he was just a little kid. So I'm not going to pile on the guy when he's when he's down. We support him, but we're also going to hold him and everybody else on the team accountable as we should. But I'm not going to kick the guy when he's down. We want to see him do well. We want to see the, the the Raiders do well, and you know we want to celebrate that. But we're not here. The fans of Raider Nation, we're not here because we win a Super Bowl every other year or we make the playoffs every other year. We're here because this is who we are. Raider Nation bleeds silver and black. It's a lifestyle. It's not on-season or off-season. There is no off-season. So the fan base supports the Raiders through thick and thin. Through adversity, we're here, and we'll always be here. And the Raiders need to know that, and I'm sure that they do. Thanks, John. Good hospitality. Good to see you. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you coming on. I mean, that's a rational rational phone call. Yeah, a lot of people should have Derek Carr's back. I do. I do. But, you know, I got a job to do here. I got to analyze these games and talk about them afterwards and to see what's going to happen next. And I don't know what's going to happen next. A couple of weeks ago, they lost a game to the Giants. We were expecting for the team to bounce back, and they were not able to do that. And now the offense is the problem. I was in literal shock yesterday, in shock yesterday when the team didn't open up this offense and run no huddle and run up to the line of scrimmage with a two-minute drill early in the game. I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. That's all we talked about all last week. Tempo, tempo, tempo. No tempo. I mean, when they do score, when they do score in some of these games, it's pretty incredible how easy it looks, isn't it? And then they do that on the Moreau touchdown, and you see that, and you go, man, that's really impressive. Look at the way they just scored. Or if you see them getting beat by Kansas City, but they come out in the third quarter, opening drive, and they score easily, and you go, why can't they do that again? Well, as Eric Allen points out, there's defensive coordinators, the head coach of the other team, and they're trying to make adjustments. But for whatever reason, the Raiders can't find their offensive rhythm. And the blame has been given out to everybody. The offensive line, that doesn't seem to hold up as well as we hope they would. The Raiders get nothing out of Josh Jacobs. Literally nothing out of Josh Jacobs other than a first quarter run for like eight yards. Where everybody's like, wow, look at that. He looks good. Gone. And then after that, you bring in someone like Deshaun Jackson. You don't even throw the play to him. How can I sit on the pregame show with Marcel Reese, Jim Plunkett, Eric Allen, interview all these people, and they say the same thing. You brought in Deshaun Jackson, throw a couple of deep balls early, let him know he's there. You don't do it? How do you, how do you, how do you not throw a go-route to Deshaun Jackson, throw it over his head by 10 yards, at least to tell the Bengals that he's on the field? And you went out and got him in a desperate move where there was only Odell Beckham Jr. and Deshaun Jackson. You run one reverse for him. And you can't throw him an 18-yard up and under route? You can't do it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe they see something at the line of scrimmage. But if you follow me on Twitter at JT the Brick, yesterday, the thing that was still getting to me is they're down, they're getting beat. I think everybody realized they were going to get beat because of the obvious. They weren't playing well. And, and they're, they're, they're snapping the ball at the line of scrimmage with three seconds left on the play clock. Eric Allen looks at me and he goes, what is this? I don't know. With three seconds to go on the play clock, 
any safety linebacker and cornerback looks up at the clock right above Derek Carr's helmet. There's a big clock that says three seconds, two seconds, and then they all start because you're giving them you're giving them the play. They don't know the exact play you're running, but you're telling them that you're going to run it in two seconds. Why aren't they racing up to the line of scrimmage? Why aren't like almost like you're clocking the ball on a two-minute drive? Where's the speed? You don't see any of it. And then Derek comes off the field and goes right to the bench and sits by himself. What? How is that possible? We've seen Derek Carr play at a very fast pace, throwing the ball all over the yard, throwing touchdowns at an MVP level. And now all of a sudden, John Gruden's not there. Henry Ruggs III will never be there again, and it can't happen. Pretty disappointed with that. You know, I'm no head coach. I'm just a fan. But I just thought we'd see more of that, and I'm surprised we didn't. And don't tell me it's because of the opponent. Give me a break. This isn't the 85 Bears. This isn't Ray Lewis's Ravens, one of the greatest defenses of all time. Give me a break. Get the play and run it. Get the play and run the play that you worked on every day in practice. Every day in practice you worked on those plays. How come when you break the huddle and turn to the line of scrimmage, all of a sudden it's like everybody's in quicksand? Let's just let the clock click kick down. Let the other team set their legs. Let the other team get rest and a cup of coffee and sit there and catch their breath. And then whatever play we're going to run, let's change it with eight seconds to go and check out of it and run another play. So you're going to check out of it and make Alex Leatherwood now have to go, oh, my God, I might have to jump. I might jump off sides. You're going to check out of that play? Run the play to Darren Waller or Renfro. How about that? How about running every two out of three plays to Jess Renfro and to Darren Waller and everybody else who you claim needs to be on this team because they were really good on the practice squad or we went out and signed to midseason because they need them and you don't even look at them. Don't even have them out there. Don't, don't even let them play. Just run every play to Waller and Renfro and wouldn't raise your hand and beep your horn if you take a shot with that. You'd have Carr, Renfro, and you'd have Waller, and you run every two out of three plays. How about a crossing route? I got a great idea. How about you line up Renfro on one side, Waller on the other side, you have them run 10 yards and run a crossing route, and maybe one of them will pop open, and you hit them in stride. Or do we believe we can't do that because the offensive line can't hold up for 3.2 seconds? Maybe that's the case. I don't know, but we got all week to figure it out. 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200, Reggie, North Las Vegas, go ahead. My guy, JT, boo, you killing it. This is, I don't understand. How do they not, if, if you didn't do anything else, let's just run back the JT, the Brick Show, for three weeks. Three weeks. Look at what you've been saying, and I've been right with you. I don't care about all the personal stuff, man. We can't deal with that on the field. On the field, you got to play ball. If you pissed off, take it off on the field. Don't sit on the bench pounding. You can't do that. Leadership means leading. That means I'm going to lead you through this brick wall. I'm hitting it first. Follow me. I'm going to lead you through this war. I'm taking the first shot. Follow me. Look, first week, we get it. We, we lost our coach. Second week, okay, we get this. We have a problem. We have issues. We lose our receiver. But by now, you can't live on that anymore.
guarantee that I, I wish I was on the side of the bench when he was sitting on the bench like that, in his ear telling him, as a leader, you have to suck it up and bring it. Come to the line and talk to the players. Let them know what you want to do. Let them know what you pissed off about. Don't sit there with your hat on disgusted because guess what? Nobody cares. you got to win. Now, the one thing about this, bro, you said I got your back. Man, we all got his back. Most people stopped liking Carr because it seemed like he would give up. That bitch reaction is a give-up moment. I'm not saying he gave up. It's just it leads to that visual, right? But then I got his front. I got his front because I'm not going to be a yes man and just allow you to fall. I'm going to stand your butt up and let you know what you need to do. Why are they not utilizing these players? How many teams got worse situations than us, man? Look at Philly. Look at AZ, uh, Arizona. Look at Cincinnati, what they did to us. Our defense is better than a whole bunch of those defenses. Yes, we keep having penalties and stuff like that, but they're doing enough to win this game. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Raider Nation, stay together. Let's hope this guy get it together, but we got to push through this one. And, and D.C., please, brother, lead these men. Lead these men to a win. If we, if we lose to these Cowboys next week, man, oh, my God, it's yeah. ridiculous. All right, Reggie, good, good to hear from you. I'll tell you this. The, I think that Carr, Carr has all the leadership qualities he has to see on his chest. He's first one in, last one to leave. He talked about it again, how this team needs to really grind this through. I just hope he plays better and he has more fun and he does things. Last night, I watched Justin Herbert on a third and five with the entire game on the line run for 36 yards, one of the most athletic plays. Third and five. Third and five, a situation where Derek lives. Derek Carr lives at third and five because his running game – doesn't get him much yardage, and the offensive line is not elite. Not elite. Derek is always in a third and five. Justin Herbert ran for 36 yards. Set up the shot for the team to win the game. Justin Herbert threw a great pass as the Steelers came all the way back. It was going to be one of the most epic Charger chokes of all time. I'm talking big because Sunday Night Football makes things bigger. It was like an epic choke. And Justin Herbert had one of the best quarterback runs of the year and one of the best touchdowns. Got to do that, Derek. Got to do it. Don't tell me that the Chargers offense is not that much better than the Raiders. Herbert runs. Carr needs to run. Carr needs to run. That's it. That's it. And I think he can do it. But for whatever reason, he doesn't trust the receivers or the offensive line to keep him upright long enough for him to do that. And that's hard. Chris in West Oakland checking in. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, you're right, JT. And the sad thing is, Derek's not a he's not a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees that has cement in his shoes. He's athletic. He runs a four six forty. And there's times, especially with a weaker offensive line, Rich Gannon always said, You're never gonna go broke taking a profit. Third and five, run for ten yards, slide and move the sticks. The bewildering thing to me though right now, JT, is going into the bye week, he was a top MVP candidate. The Raiders had more twenty yard pass plays than any team in football. That's all just shut down. I I, I refuse to believe that one player being gone rugs has totally destroyed this offense one other question about the offense also jt maybe you interview a coach this week 
when they got the ball on the nine-yard line, it looked to me like they stuck with the scripted plays. A run up the middle, let's get Waller on a tight end screen, then Jacobs on a screen. Get two guys early touches. You cannot get the ball on the nine-yard line and never throw the ball past the five. That was just inexcusable, and I'm tired of that crap every single week. But you're right. I've had Derek's back as much as anybody, and I know how good he can be. Something's missing. Something's in his head. I don't know if one guy can only take so much after so many years, but you're right. It's a bad look, and at this point, I don't think Marcus Mariota is anywhere near him as a quarterback, but you might need a spark. What do you have to lose? Because the eye test is telling me, JT, this season is done. Our recent history shows me this isn't a team that's going to say, hey, screw it, we're going to go out and say screw everybody and reel off six out of seven wins. One other quick thing about the other side of the ball, I know Carr's getting all of it and deservedly so right now. Once again, our defense made a play early, but all this talk about how good the defense is playing, they still don't do the most two important things in the game. They don't get off the field on third down, and they don't intercept the ball and force turnovers. For the second week in a row, Trayvon Merrick in a one-possession game came over, had a perfect beat on the ball. He misjudged it so bad it hit the receiver in the face mask. Would it have been a tough play? Yes. But our secondary never ever makes that play. And, yeah, I know the offense has been the problem, but it's sometimes you've got to make a play. Good teams make those plays. Bad teams say, well, that's a tough play. But we got a short week. I hope they get it done. I would love to see Derek come and redeem himself on national TV. But I've been with this team a lot of years, JT. My eyes are telling me what I just don't want to see or believe. Thank you, my friend. I'll try to talk to you before Thanksgiving. Yeah, one other thing on the defense. Once again, Jonathan Abram got beat. The best player, the best young receiver in the league on a short field got behind him. Got behind him for a touchdown. Not in front of him. And then they tried to got behind him. I'm like, what is going on with that? But uh, Chris made a good point, and I'll, I'll play that soundbite later about the Raiders open up the game with the turnover, get it down in the red zone, and don't attack the end zone. That is humanly impossible. You cannot, they're Bishop Gorman, if they got the ball on the opening turnover at the nine-yard line, would throw three fade routes to their best player, and it didn't happen. And I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I don't know what's happening with what happens with the decision to take a shot. It's like the, the, the end zone's quicksand. You can throw it before the end zone and hope someone runs in, but they don't throw the ball in the end zone. And that's because the quarterback doesn't want to turn the ball over in the end zone. That's it. That's a pretty easy answer. What's your answer? 702-365-9200. That 34-minute monologue brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. All the great locations. Order ahead the next couple of days for pickup, curbside pickup, or delivery. What a job they do. Wahoo served over 700 people at Faith Lutheran Community Church. That's a company that gives back. Love what everybody's doing at Wahoo's, a proud partner of our show. You know, you put it all on me. It starts with me, and uh, starts with me, ends with me. It'll be my fault until I'm not here. You know, and uh, you know that that um, that's how I that's how I operate. You know, I always look at what I can do. So, 
um, we're out of sync. We're we're not doing good enough on third down. We're not doing um, good enough in the red zone, um, and that's it's it's my fault. You you said the last two weeks you thought this was different that you were better in terms of a team more talent yeah. that it would not go this way. You I still feel that way. I still feel that way. It's that's why it's a little frustrating. Um, but um, I just I just got to be better for us. JT back with you. That is Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Silver and Black. It's Monday night, Monday night football at Doghouse Saloon. The president of Resorts World, Scott Sabella, who I sit with at Raiders games, he had a vision for what he wanted to be the grandest, greatest property on the Las Vegas Strip, and he nailed it at Resorts World inside his doghouse. Entertainment, sports, and actually the sports book is there. So you go from the sports book to these amazing screens, you watch sports, and then afterwards they have incredible entertainment, and you can walk around the entire property and see everything from the pool, the clubs, the restaurants. It truly is fabulous, but you got to get there. So we recommend everybody Monday Night Football if you're looking for a new spot. The crowds have been great. We'd love to have you down to Doghouse Saloon right there, Resorts World, Las Vegas, our official home for Monday Night Football. So there's Derek Carr. It's on him. And that's what John Gruden used to say when they lost. Rich Passaccia says it now. Derek Carr's always said it. And they got to find a way to turn the season around and save the season. It was a really good-looking team at 5-2. and two. And then a lot happened off the field, which has put them in this spot here. And they don't look right. And I don't know what they're going to need. It seems like they're practicing well from every time I talk to Coach Passaccia and from people in the building and those who attend and write about it and talk to the players and interview them. The practices aren't the problem. They're practicing well. It's just game day execution and these slow starts. I just cannot believe that they're starting off so slow that they won't even attempt to play faster and be more aggressive. And they're not. And don't tell me they are because they're not. They have very good coaches. But for whatever reason, when the games start in the first quarter, no one wants to take a shot. And if you're saying that the team cannot take a shot against the Giants and the Bengals, you've lost your bleeping mind. If you don't think you could take a shot against the Bengals and the Giants in the red zone, and you're not confident. What's with this word confident? Who's not confident? Darren Waller? Darren Waller's confident if you call his name and you say, line up in the slot, we're going to run a corner fade to you. Go get the ball. We'll, we'll throw it higher than the undersized safeties and corners. Can you make the play? What do you think Darren Waller's going to say? Yeah, run that play. I'll go get it every time. Play never gets run. And, and what's the excuse? That they're, he's covered? Stop. Stop telling me Darren Waller's covered. Pro Football Focus doesn't think so. Fans who are sitting in the 400 section don't think so. Run the ball or throw it to Darren Waller, abandon the run, go four wide, hurry up offense the rest of the season. No need to huddle anymore. The huddling up is killing this offense. Killing it. They take too much time. There's no sense of urgency. They break out of the huddle. They get to the line. They stop, they look up, they look at the quarterback. The quarterback's changing the play for whatever reason, and then the pass is incomplete, and then they wait, 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 wait again. It's incredible. I cannot believe that they don't want to play this way. They don't want to play this way against average teams. I mean, Kansas City, it's a big decision, because if you're going to play really fast with Kansas City, Lincoln Kennedy made a great point on the Silver and Black Show. You know, you start running plays fast, you get guys jumping off sides, and Lincoln made that point. 
clearly. Alex Leatherwood, the young offensive line, you start playing hurry up, there's a chance that the offensive line is not going to be tight and there's going to be some pre-snap penalties. Maybe that's the case. Robert in San Jose, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Uh, thanks for taking my call, JT. Uh, you just said something that the Raiders have good coaches. Uh, Greg Olson has never been a favorite of mine. I think there's a reason that guy's never been a, a hot head coaching candidate, either in the pros or the NFL. His play calling has no rhyme or reason whatsoever. Your last caller just uh, mentioned the two plays in the first drive, the throw in the flat to Waller, and then coming back with the same damn play to, Joe, to Josh Jacobs. This is on Greg Olson. Greg Olson is going to get Rich Grisaccia and the rest of that crew fired. He needs to go right now. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make a coaching change at all. Uh, Greg Olson has – this is the John Gruden playbook. It's a – I appreciate the call – a vast, deep playbook with a lot of plays and a lot of verbiage. And Derek knows the playbook. He's mastered it. Now, he doesn't master it every game. But he's mastered the knowledge of this really intense, deep playbook that Greg Olson's been a part of for a long time. And Johnny Morton and a couple other guys, they know this, they know this playbook. Now you've got to figure out what plays in the playbook to call at the right time. That's it. You know, and John Gruden, John Gruden always wanted to run the football. He loved the two tight end set. And I would hope, I thought that, unfortunately, with Coach Gruden and what happened, that this team led by Derek Carr would open up the playbook a little bit more. They don't seem to be opening it up. Let's get to the Levitt fumble recovery. This was the game. In a lot of in a lot of aspects, this play really was the most important play of the game for the Raiders. Burrow back from the gun. Backs it up under pressure. Fumble. Fumble. Balls loose. Picked up by the Raiders at the 40. 35. 30. 25. Inside the 20. Inside the 15. Still going. And inside the 10. Dallin Levitt picked up the fumble by Burrow as the Bengals turn it over. And the Raiders are in business here on the first series with a first down and goal. First down and goal. Brett Musburger on the call. First down and goal. And then the shocking next few plays and the field goal kind of took everybody out of the game. The crowd was so up, so excited for the game to start that way. Something that we've all been waiting for. And then right after that, next thing you know, it's over. They get a field goal out of the game. They could have been up a score early. What this team is waiting to do. What this team was waiting to do. And that happens there. First and ten. You know, you look at that. You're right there at the goal line. You're right there at the goal line, ready to make a play. And the Raiders aren't able to make a play. They just can't do it. First and goal at the nine. And you see this play calling here. It's incredible. Shotgun, Barber up the middle for three yards. Second and goal, short left to Waller. Negative two. Third and eight at the Cincinnati eight. Car pass incomplete short to Jacobs. Why is that ball why is that pass being run to Jacobs? Why isn't it being run to Renfro? Third and eight. Why? Why why isn't Renfro the go-to guy on that play with one of his classic head fakes at the goal line going one way, diving down low, ball thrown low, touchdown Renfro? I don't know. I don't know what the look looked like at that point in time, but I thought they should have ran something like that.
passionate writer in Illinois. Go ahead. You're up next. What's up, JT, man? And um, just bounce off what you were just saying. He threw that ball to Jacobs. And where was Jacobs going to go but get his freaking head knocked off on that third and eight? He wasn't going nowhere. He's lucky he did drop it. But, man, you know what, JT? I've been up all night, man. I couldn't even sleep, man. I've been tossing and turning all night long, having dreams, just thinking like, like, like we had such a promising – out of all the years I think of being a Raider fan, I think this one has hurts the most because it was so hyped up. It was so – we all thought there was a different vibe here. We all thought this, and you know what? It's the, I, to me, this one's things worse than anything, man. But you know what? It, we, it, it, we could keep on sitting there and saying Derek Carr, Derek Carr, Derek Carr. Yeah, he has to be feeling like crap. He really does. I, I believe, and, and I'm all for my Raiders, and I'm all for my quarterback. I will still watch him every week. But you know what? We are not going to sugarcoat it no more, man. It starts – Derek Carr's career has been tainted because since he's been in the, 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 the Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas organization, he has dealt with nothing but crap after crap after crap after crap after crap. So you know what? Maybe he has checked out. Maybe he can't take no more. What other human being could possibly keep on going out and play? What other human being possibly would want to keep on going out and play for an organization like this? Who would want to do it? And why would you want to do it? Because he sees the end of the road right now. There ain't nothing there, man. This team has been discombobulated, and it's even more after these four years that Gruden and Mayock hands have been on it, man. The draft picks show it. The roster shows it. They take his offensive line away. They give him a makeshift offensive line. Get that offensive line steadily turned around before every single play call to see what the damn call is. What is up with that, man? This whole team, John Abrams is jumping up on the second down yesterday, holding his hand up in the air like it's fourth down and it was going on third. He didn't even know what the hell was going on. It is a discombobbled mess from the head down, JT, and it starts – and I'm going to beat this drum and beat this drum and beat this drum. It starts from the head down, a football organization, front office, how your team is going to look on that field, man. And our team looks just like Mark Davis, man. And I'm tired of losing. Get off the radio. Get off the radio, dude. I mean, again, I said you respect the show when you come in here. And we don't, we don't go down that road that way. And, again, your time is limited coming up here, my friend. You've been doing this on the post game. You're doing it on the regular show. Check yourself. 702-365-9200. A Raider executive and former Pro Bowl fullback Marcel Reese will be assisting families for Thanksgiving. Really excited about this with the Marcel Reese Foundation. They're going to do an unbelievable job tonight at the Pearsons Community Center on West Curie Avenue giving away food baskets with the traditional Thanksgiving feast to 100 less fortunate families on behalf of the Las Vegas Raiders and the Marcel Reese Foundation. Thank you, Marcel Reese, for helping out the community.